Well, if you didn't hear earlier, my name is Amber Brown. I'm the family pastor here at the City Church, so that means I get to hang out with your kiddos most of the time, and so I am more of a teacher than a preacher, so you're going to get to see some visuals later. It's the fun things that Clayton doesn't always get to do because it's more serious in here. We have fun in, the ki- in City Kids, so I'm excited to show you guys that later, but If you've been with us for a little while, you guys know or you've heard about the City Seven. These are seven foundational truths that we believe are so important for us as believers to know and understand. They're questions and answers that we talk about every single week, whether you're here in the main service, whether you have a student in youth, whether you have a child in elementary, or even a child in the preschool class. We go over these each and every week. You'll also see them when you go to city groups, you'll talk about them, or in our family table talk. They're even in the daily devo, so you guys know that we really love the City 7. So if you would, go ahead. You're going to pull out your phone. We're going to open our app to to the City Church app. If you don't have it, that's okay. It's going to show up here on the screen in a minute. But click on the Bible study tab, It's kind of in the middle. And then right in the middle of that, you will see the City 7. Now, this lists them all out, but this morning, we're going to be looking at City 7, number 3. Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Since all have sinned and the wages of sin is death, Jesus had to die on the cross to pay the fine for my sin so I could be right with God. Now, if you'll look right underneath that, you'll see scripture references. So we didn't just make up these answers. The, Clayton didn't make them up. The Board of Elders didn't make them up. Our staff didn't make up these answers. These are directly from Scripture. But you guys know a lot of times when we ask a question, what do kids do? They ask more questions, right? So we're going to dive a little bit deeper into City 7, number 3, and we're going to look at what is sin? Kids, we talk about this a lot. Do you guys remember what we say sin is? If you know, say it with me. Sin is anything you think anything you say, anything you do or don't do that breaks God's law. Parents, we're all going to do it together. Sin is anything you think, anything you say, anything you do or don't do that breaks God's law. Sometimes when we say that word sin, it confuses kids. They're like, what is that? Well, it's all of those things. Whenever the Bible says The thoughts of man in Genesis 6, chapter 5, it says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. That's how we can sin with our our mind. When we're just thinking bad thoughts, that can break God's law. When we say things, King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4 said, As he looked out across the city, he said, Look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my magic splendor. He wasn't even talking about God. He was talking about himself. So he was using his words to sin. Do Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, they saw the fruit, they took it, and they ate it. Even though God told them not to eat of the fruit, they did it anyways. And then this is the one that's kind of confusing sometimes when we say don't do. Well, in Jonah, God gave Jonah a command to go to Nineveh. And instead of going to Nineveh, he fled to Tarshish. So kids, if your parents tell you, go clean your room and you don't do it, are you breaking the rule? Yeah, you're not doing what they commanded you to do. So that's how we don't, don't do when we sin. So our sin comes from a selfish heart. A lot of times we think we know better than God, right? We want to do things 
our own way and it comes from a place of selfishness. And the Bible says there's a payment for our sin. So what is that payment for sin? In Romans 6, 23, Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. So when your parents have a job, they make wages, right? They earn money. But what's another word for payment? Hmm, Maybe consequence. Do you know what a consequence is? Yeah, like if you touch a hot stove, what's going to happen? You're going to get burned, right? That's a consequence. What about if you disobey your parents? What's your punishment? I see some of you thinking, at our house, you either get time out, or if it's really bad, you get a spanking, also called a pow-pow. So, yeah, that's the consequence at our house. Or parents, what if you guys are speeding? What might happen? You get a ticket, right? Yeah, so when we do things that are wrong, there are consequences that follow those things. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and they did what God told them not to do, there was a consequence for them. Originally, they were in right relationship with God. Sometimes we'll say the word communion. They were together with him and it was great, but once they broke God's rule, they were separated. Our sin separates us from God. And the crazy thing is, is that our punishment reflects God's perfection. So a lot of times people will say, well, I'm really good. I only mess up every now and then, but God is perfect. And because he is perfect and he's never done anything wrong, the punishment that we deserve is death and to be eternally separated from God. And we call that hell, to live apart from God forever. But do you know what the great thing is? is God had a plan for us. Even once Adam and Eve sinned, God made a way. So what happened when Jesus died on the cross? We're gonna read a long passage of scripture. This is Romans chapter five, verses eight through 11. So kids, I want your eyes up here to make sure you're listening. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. While we were still sinners, while we were still making mistakes, he sent Jesus to die for us. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. This is what I said earlier. Our friendship with God was restored by the death of Jesus. So I remember when I said that Adam and Eve were in friendship and then that was separated. Well, because of Jesus, our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son. While we were still his enemies, we will, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. That's the coolest thing, right? Is that someone else paid the price. So parents, if you get a speeding ticket, guess what? Jesus, he paid the price, right? Or if you touch the hot stove, Jesus paid the price. So instead of us receiving that consequence of death and being separated from God forever, we get to receive that free gift of eternal life. I'm going to do a really cool science experiment up here. This is the cool thing about doing kids' ministries. You get to do fun stuff that you don't always get to do in the main service. So this is our candle. And who kids, say it really loud, who is the light of the world? I heard some of you say it, but you didn't say it very loudly. Can you say it really loud? Who's the light of the world? Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world, right? And this coin is going to represent you and I. So I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to do something. Once we were dead because of our disobedience and many sins, this liquid right here is going to represent our sins. And we used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the air and the unseen world. 
He is the spirit at work in the hearts of all those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. Can you say all of us? All of us, we all used to live that way. Uh, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So we were going to be separated from God. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sin, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. So when Jesus was placed in the tomb, he paid the price for our sin by dying on the cross. And it says, he gave his life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only because God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point us in all future ages as an example of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you take credit for none of this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done so none of us can boast about it for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So what happened? Jesus died and what happened to all the sin? He took it off of us, right? We're no longer subject to that sin. Jesus took it, he pulled it off of us. So only by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, can you and I be saved. And that is what City 7 number three is all about. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for Jesus. I thank you that even while we were still sinners, you had a plan. I thank you so much for Jesus that he loved us, that he paid the price, and that we get to inherit that eternal gift of life for free. God, I pray that we would understand what grace means, that we would understand what faith means, God, so that we can live eternally with you forever in heaven. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, Amber. You know, this thing we're, we're doing today with the, the families in here, with us, your kids in here, with this, um, it's really kind of at the core of who we want to be here at the city and, and what we've decided God has, has called us to. You know, we're, we're not here just to be a, another church in Lubbock. We're not here to be another big church. We're not here to try to entertain people or try to somehow attract people to, to come through the doors. We're not trying to set records or compete with other churches. We're not trying to build a, a big group of people that just come in and listen to a message and then leave and never grow spiritually, never change. We're not trying to build a group of people that are just here to go through the motions or check some kind of religious box. We're not looking for consumers to be entertained. No, we, we truly feel like God has called us to help disciple and equip you to do the work of the ministry, to do what God has called you to do, to be who God has called you to be. And not just you, but your kids as well. We're here to help train and equip families to build a faith that is strong and lasting, a faith that's built on a solid foundation. That's why we're here. And I hope that's why you're here to grow in your relationship with God. This, just this family philosophy is behind everything that we do here at the city, every decision we make. 
Just a few things, and especially if you're new here, that you're going to learn kind of who we are. If you're, if you're not new here, you've heard this quite a bit, but this is why we do verse by verse teaching. This is why we, we teach through scripture verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We're in the book of Luke right now, chapter eight. And what we find is as you go through this book of Luke or, or any, any book in the Bible, it, it leads you where scripture wants to take you. You're going to hit things that, that you need to hear. It's going to address every area of your life eventually. We believe it's important to read and teach and study scripture verse by verse, chapter by chapter in context so that we have a deep understanding of scripture, not just this cursory knowledge of maybe a verse of the day, devotional kind of knowledge or a social media post your favorite verse. We're talking a deep knowledge of scripture where you know what it's saying and you know how to apply it to your lives. And we do this in every single area in our church, every environment. We do it in here. We also do it. City Youth is doing the, the same verses we're doing with the same points. The same thing with City Kids in our elementary class, even adapted for, for the little ones. The entire family is getting the same verses and the same application every single week because we, again, we think it's important that our kids develop that knowledge of scripture from an early age. And that's why we developed the table talk. Amber has developed this every single week. Uh, it's something put together for families to, to take maybe one night of the week over dinner and go through these questions because we've all had the same experience on Sunday. We've all studied the same scripture. And now it's a chance for, for parents to kind of talk through those points with their kids. It, it kind of just kind of spoon feeds you. Hey, let's have a spiritual conversation with our family over dinner. Next, we have the City 7. She's already talked about that. Seven foundational truths tells us why we believe what we believe. And this is important because we want our families to have a strong faith that's built on reasonable and actual evidence, not blind faith. I mean, even the disciples didn't have blind faith. They had to see Jesus risen from the dead. And, and we want our, our kids to know why they believe what they believe. That's why we think city groups are important. City groups, it's important. We were created to, to do life in the context of community. And especially when it comes to following Jesus, you know, coming on, on Sundays and sitting in the pew is awesome. You know, you can get a lot of good teaching. It's, it's awesome to come together and worship with your church family, but it's not enough to sustain your faith, to grow you spiritually. If, if you want to truly grow, you need accountability. You, you need a, a, a close group of believers that you're following Jesus with. Circles are better than Rose. And our, our city group guide takes the same material we covered on Sunday and just drills down a little bit deeper, has kind of application questions, study, just, just things to kind of get you talking as a group, ways to pray as a group. And it helps you build communities. You follow Jesus with each other. And then we have our, our daily devos. You might see these in your app under Bible study. Uh, once again, these Monday through Friday, after the sermon on Sunday, Monday through Friday that week, we, they cover the exact same material. Even more questions. You, you can open it up and it's, it's going to give you the verse. It's going to give you some commentary so you can kind of understand what you're reading and, and how it applies. And then some really pointed questions to get you thinking and ways that you can pray. You know, if you're going to grow in your relationship with God, we believe it's important that you're taking time on your own to grow that relationship. You know, for those of you that are, that are married, you know this, like if you never talked to your spouse, if you never looked at them, if you never had a conversation, you never spent time together, you wouldn't have much of a relationship. 
And I'm afraid for a lot of us, for a lot of Christians, that's kind of the state of our relationship with God. It's, it's a little bit dormant, maybe a little dry, maybe he's kind of stuck in a rut because we're never spending time with him. We're never praying. We're never personally reading, studying scripture, applying it to our lives and growing in that way. You know, if you think about it, if you're one who comes here with your family and, and, and you're experiencing all of this on a weekly basis, don't you think that you're going to be kind of well on your way to, to growing in your relationship with God, to have a, a rich, full, vibrant relationship with Jesus? And isn't that what you want for yourself? And even, even more than that, isn't that what you want for your kids? To have a, a, a deeper, more solid faith in Jesus. Because parents, this is what we're called to. This is what God is, is requiring of us. You know, Clayton says this a lot, but we're not here to, to raise D1 athletes. And I would say we're not even here just to raise kids that are smart or successful. Those are great things, but our primary responsibility as parents and our greatest privilege is to raise kids that serve and follow Jesus. That's on us as parents. And the cool thing about that is, you know, when they, you release them kind of out into the wild one day, if they've got that solid spiritual foundation, that, that deep knowledge of scripture we're talking about, and they know what it means to follow and serve Jesus, the rest kind of takes care of itself because they're following him. They have the Holy Spirit inside of them that's leading and directing them. This, that's what this whole thing is supposed to look like. And it all starts with the word of God. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 14. Paul's writing, he said, you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know, they're true for, you know, you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy scriptures from childhood and they've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. It's a beautiful picture of what our lives are supposed to look like, what our parenting is supposed to look like, what our church is supposed to look like. And that's what I want for my kids. I want them to be in the middle of God's will, to follow him wherever that takes them. That's why we just did these baby dedications a little bit earlier in the service. That's kind of the front end of this thing, right? These parents were bringing the kids up here to say, I'm committing to raise them this way, right? And we're committing as a church family to help them do that, to raise the children in the way that they should go. And that's what we're gonna celebrate next as well. This is kind of a, a cool bookend. We get to see both sides of that coin today. The babies and now some that we're about to release into the wild, seniors. We're gonna pray over and kind of bless and just celebrate some of our students today that are about to graduate from high school. So Dylan's gonna come. Dylan Cobb is our interim youth pastor and he's gonna help us recognize these seniors today.